that where nobody knows your name, 200th rocking New Year's Eve special is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Energy, John. That's what that said. <laughs> well, it started high and then it sort of petered out too. Is not from like it sort of tapered it off. I think. Oh, should I do that bit again? Or <laughs> no, no, I thought it works. You know, why break yeah. the format? We've never had an, an audience. We're not going to change it for this New Year's special. We're just going to have a good time, James. However, we did have that live board game event earlier in the month, which was fun. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that's true. Some things do have a live audience, just not in the room with us. Yeah. yeah. But James, we're celebrating not only the new year today, but the 200th of our episodes here at Where Nobody Knows Your Name, our podcast. <laughs> yep, that's that's true. Now, it's, it's our 200th episode, not Cheers 200th episode. That happens sometime early season nine, man. Yeah, we'll get on to that. We've had a couple of bonus episodes and special guests along the way. I mean, I think the best way is a little uh, musical montage. And puzzles, we all Just a flaming mow away. Happiness is just a flaming mow away. Bye. Take me back, please. Take me back. I'm begging you. All right, it's a nice place. And elsewhere, I was forced to have my kid in that mortician's delight. Oh, that wings music. Oh, diverse, that is. <laughs> Some lovely memories there. And I suppose that's that's a little bit what this 200th episode is going to be. We're going to be uh, going into the vaults a little bit. We're going to be talking to some familiar and some new voices that have been here on our, our sort of journey making this podcast. And uh, maybe some other surprises along the way and, and dipping into some of those key key points. What do you say? Milestones in our podcast, talking to some special guests and really celebrating the podcast that we've been doing for 200th episode, James. Yeah, ce- celebrating things we've learned because being a journey has been a rocky road. Listening back to those early episodes, we've definitely learned things, you know. <laughs> well, you mentioned our first episodes, James, and uh, I hear someone coming down the stairs at Cheers because we've got our first guest is about to walk through the door. Lorna! Lorna. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> I thought you'd like that. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was something. I do that one. <laughs> so Lorna's not been on the show before, listeners, but Lorna was, I think, probably the key person in helping this podcast get set up in the first place. Wouldn't you agree, John? Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. we've, we've talked many times that we had this idea in a, a pub at one point, uh, maybe after a couple of pints, and we weren't really sure if it was going to happen. Uh, but it wouldn't have happened without Lorna because Lorna gave us equipment. So, uh, <laughs> That's true. I would say, <laughs> Before then, it was just a dream. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I remember, uh, I think it was James had mentioned about you guys wanting to start the podcast I was thinking, oh my God, it's like 11 seasons. It's like, it'd be like the longest show ever. I was like, okay, this would be interesting. And uh, I remember you guys, you started to make it happen and you were booking rooms and doing all the rest of it. And uh, you were stuck for some equipment and I had some knocking around. 
So I lent, I had an old DR40, a Tascam, and I had a road mic just lying around. And I lent it to you guys. I think it came to a point where I was just leaving it because we all work together, right? So mm-hmm. I think I was just like leaving it at my desk. <laughs> <laughs> James would wander over and be like, can I borrow this? <laughs> I was like, yeah, go ahead. So, <laughs> so and then you guys kept going and kept going. So I'm glad I got to help at the, the very beginning somehow. And now we're at 200. Which is exciting. Hey, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> I suppose uh, thinking back to, I actually looked at when our first episode launched, 21st of March, 19, no, it's not 19. <laughs> <laughs> it's been 100 years. <laughs> I'm going to be like, it feels like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. 2019 <laughs> is when we put the pile up for the second time. We, we took it down. For, for some edits. <laughs> we edited it. Yeah. So that's when the sort of first official pilot came up. But when you heard that, Lorna, I remember audibly hearing you <laughs> laughing across the office going, they've put sound effects of letters in it. You're going to make me laugh now. It was the, le- the, the letter opening <laughs> and the, I think the doorbell was an addition at some point. But the fact that the doorbell rings like 19 times before he answers the door, I was like, this is the most like James thing ever. I was like, I was like, answer the door, James. So, <laughs> it's the, the letter. I don't know why. I think because it just came from so left field. <laughs> I just hear this crumpling and crunching and I was like oh my god <laughs> the production values of shot up <laughs> I, I remember you came over to my desk and you, and you went it's four seconds in and you've already said the word snack just <laughs> like, come on you scripted too like come on <laughs> I think in the very first episode James said snack on those facts and that sort of stuck for us immediately time. yeah yeah and I remember it, and I was like, "Oh my god, here we go!" It's the catchphrase, the tagline of the show. <laughs> I do feel like it hasn't changed a huge amount since the first episode. We've still got the same sound effect. <laughs> I know. I think that's why I like it so much because uh, although we did lose snack on those facts, I haven't heard that one in a while. But the letter opening is still there. The doorbell is still there. So you know, you're consistent, boys. You're consistent. <laughs> Lorna, you were there for the uh, infamous what time? Something James has talked on the podcast. James has talked about what time? About three to four, five times on this podcast. I think we need a new perspective as well. Let me, okay, right. I'll give you a fresh, fresh eye on on what time. So what happened was myself and James were in the like lobby uh, of where we worked and we were waiting for John and also, <laughs> long-time contributor Barry, we were waiting for those guys to come up the lift of our job. And now, James luckily really phrased it really well, right? Yes. Because there was an, there was an F-bomb in there that could have ultimately led to a firing, but it didn't. So, <laughs> what happened is our boss, uh, we thought it was going to be Sweet boy John and and Barry uh, walk out the lift and we were going to surprise. But uh, <laughs> little did we know it was two of our bosses and James in like 
full enthusiastic <laughs> swoon. Just now, no, bear in mind, I was sat by the window. I was like a good eight or ten feet away from this. And just, the, the literal flying Scotsman jumped in front of the elevator as the door was opened. And I goes, what time? Or <laughs> what? Like, just the, the confusion, the horror. The, and like, the thing is, we're standing right by the door to the entrance to the office, so there's nowhere to go. And then James goes, James goes, oh, oh sorry, I, I thought you were someone else. And just like, just, just like turned his back, and like you know, like a ping pong ball, like, like just you know, like pinball just bouncing off the walls, like just trying to find some place to land. And we just started dying laughing. Now, the, the initial phrase was. Uh, what time do you call this? <laughs> now, it could have been very different if John or James had said, what blank in time do you call this? <laughs> I think there would have been a meeting with HR. <laughs> 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 that the enthusiasm and everything. I just, I uh, nearly fell out the window. I laughed so hard. <laughs> then John and Barry finally came up <laughs> and we were laughing so hard. It's like, I don't know even where to begin explaining this. <laughs> I, I almost need like the CCTV to show you like <laughs> the extent of the flailing and the embarrassment and the confusion. Yeah, it's one of those things you'd see on uh, You've Been Famed or America's Funniest Home Videos. Yeah, exactly. It was just, you couldn't script it like, and just, it was just one of the funniest moments of my life, I think, to be honest. Yeah, syntax is a, is a godsend, isn't it? <laughs> I, I thought about that the other day. I was like, oh my God, could you imagine if you were out? <laughs> oh, the thing is, well, whenever the word time gets mentioned any, in any setting, James will just give me eyes. Like, <laughs> but I do it as well. Like, even over here, like, anytime people are like, what time is the meeting? I'm like, what? What was that word you said? What time? Lorna sent me a message once going, my partner and I were arranging to go to the cinema and he, yeah. he said, what time screening do you want to see? And I yelled what time at him and he just <laughs> cried. I just, he was like, are you okay? I was like, what time? <laughs> Flailing, doing my best James impression. <laughs> and like, it's just so funny. It was a very good moment. Priceless. <laughs> Yep, I bring it up whenever someone uses the phrase "what time." I just yell it back at them, much <laughs> their confusion <laughs> slash horror. Yeah, exactly. Without context, I'm sure it's probably yeah. terrifying, but not that we all know. It's good. With, with context, it's hilarious. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. When we worked together, we worked making media for education for university over here in the UK. What is it you're working on now? So I am a visual effects producer. So I work for a visual effects studio. Essentially what I do is I get scripts or I get scenes from a TV show or a movie or whatever. And I have to break it all down and kind of identify what might be visual effects, what might not be. And then I put a cost to that and I say, hey, if you want to do this work, it's going to cost X amount. And then once we get the, the work awarded to us, then it's my job just to kind of keep things going, making sure all the departments have what they have, kicking teams off, working with supervisors. So I've been doing that. Like I only started as a producer about six months ago, maybe just under. But uh, I really like it. Visual effects is really good. It's really interesting. And there's loads of work. I live in Vancouver. So there's loads of work over here as well. So that's pretty good. 
That's Is that pretty cool. amazing? I tell you what, Lorna, if we were ever going to do where nobody knows your name, the movie, <laughs> what budget do you think we'd need if we, like, for those sort of doorbell sound effects and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for all the photo flashes and the explosions, you're going to need probably. <laughs> I would say uh, 6.5 million, just to cover the faces. Oh, we're a little uh, short, John. I've just said that crowdfunder, James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please support. We need- I just wanted to make a good film. <laughs> two, two boys with a dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Two boys with a dream and a TV box set. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sort of reenact a time in our lives. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I can't imagine what we should fix Kevin there, but if you need a producer, you know where to go. <laughs> if you brought that to the desk at work, what do you think it would be sort of amber? Amber lit? Not red shirt. <laughs> I think I'd get laughed at the opposite. <laughs> My credibility as a producer would be <laughs> the bird be in hell at that I'm like, who are you? Just walked off the street with this <laughs> random script. <laughs> Who are these two boys? There's no script. script. I just add lib. It's just (laughs) just blind faith. It will be all right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no worries. I'm sure that will go down really well. (laughs) As it's New Year's, Lorna, what will you be doing? uh, How are you celebrating today? Definitely New Year's Eve. It's very. (laughs) (laughs) It feels very New Year's Eve today. So. Uh, I'll probably be. <laughs> I know what uh, popping champagne, get the sparkles out, get the, the fireworks out. It's definitely not half one on a Saturday in Vancouver. But <laughs> I just pretend I didn't say that. <laughs> no, no, we'll keep it in. <laughs> oh. It's the time difference, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm eight hours behind you guys, so eight hours in different- two months. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely a seed. <laughs> what we always ask whenever we have a guest on is, what is your drink of choice? You know, often we put that as a house special. Oh, there's actually one of my favorite segments you do is the, the drink at the end of it. So, I mean, for obvious reasons, I'm going to say Guinness. <laughs> okay, James, <laughs> you agreed too fast there on that one. Yeah, I would say Guinness probably, but because tonight's New Year's Eve, I'm going to say, I could say probably some Prosecco. <laughs> you can have both. I mean, I'm not sure if you want yeah. both, but you can have both. <laughs> you can have whatever you want. It's New Year's Eve. Exactly, John. There you go. I might have both at the same time. <laughs> it's a cocktail where you do mix both. There probably is, yeah, somewhere in the world. Not- no, no, I went to the Guinness factory. Oh, yeah. How's it was that? like M&M world for adults. <laughs> Have you been? Yeah. No, no, I heard it's supposed to be brilliant, though. It was really good, yeah. I poured, uh, I, I didn't pour one. I got one at the top, though, for free. Ooh. Oh, Just looked down at Dublin. Oh. I think the freeness made it better as well. Oh, it's lovely. Yeah, yeah, but it better. It was great. There was, a, a, there was a marketing floor. I got a picture with some puffins. A big turtle. Oh, That's actually pretty cool. It's live puffins. They're running a zoo there. <laughs> <laughs> I should have clarified. Just, just drunk adults. Just puffins everywhere. Oh, it was good fun. It was a good crack. There you go. <laughs> the finger guns. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. L- 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 I was there. Thanks. Sounds, sounds just like home. <laughs> 
I get my Irish passport out in a bit. I was just going to say it. I was like, you are Irish, John, aren't you, technically? It was good to reconnect with my roots. <laughs> Puffins and the Guinness. I went mm-hmm. to a tasting session, Lorna, and um, right. it was like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. You go right. into a pure white room. There were four <laughs> plinths, each one bellowing with smoke. Yeah. Oh, and they go, right. each, each plinth is the isolated scents and tastes of Guinness. And you go around and you go, oh. and you smell them individually. And then after you've right. been through the white room, you go into this like oak cigar lounge where everything's but had like oil paintings of all the founders on. Oh my God. <laughs> like Hogwarts. And, and they gave you a little baby Guinness, a shot. Oh, yeah. And it was like, that was the, the dark part of the Guinness. The other room was the head. And then oh. you, you had to knock it, knock back a Guinness and you t- appreciated the flavours. It sounds oh. very Willy Wonka. Yeah, it was very cool. Like, yeah, it sounds pretty good. Sounds slightly terrifying, though. <laughs> Just like Willy Wonka. Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> it's an amorphous experience. Uh, if you ever taste a Guinness again, try to isolate. There's hops in there. I'll know exactly what to expect now when I go into the Guinness factory, Guinness store. The quartet of scents. Hmm. Yeah. Oh, I've been warned about this. <laughs> Some people walked straight past that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? But you have to Some enjoy it must, when you're there. Yeah. Wait, they walk into a room with four smoking towers and go, don't need to think about this Next. or just keep walking. <laughs> no, they didn't, go, yeah. they didn't go in the room. There was a small queue oh. to go in the room. Lots of people just go oh. straight past it. So that's a top tip Guinness. for anyone listening. There you go. Mm. It's all for the free Guinness. Well, I tell you what, Lorna, I'm really glad that you're able to join us for this two this episode, because as we said at the beginning, it wouldn't have really happened without you. you you're a proud sponsor. You got the t-shirt and everything. And yeah. uh, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us. We hope you enjoy your, your Guinness and Prosecco and have a lovely New Year. <laughs> have you got any New Year's Thanks. resolutions before we, we go into it? Thanks, guys. New Year's resolutions. Um, no, I don't think so. Just going to keep keep listening to you guys, hoping that you guys keep going. And finish this out. That's pretty much it. Going to enjoy my wow. Guinness and Prosecco together. <laughs> Happy New Year's, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Lovely to have Lorna stop by. I mean, the Guinnesses are heavy, James. So we've started our New Year's with a bit of a, a precedent, I guess. Of laying the stomach with Guinness. <laughs> Guinness and champagne. I mean, we're, we're, uh, we might need a tactical trender halfway through. there's always someone to bring the party to you know a sensible level you know he's he's, he doesn't go out on the on the lash marsh but he he does bring the mirth and the laughter doesn't he john i'm not sure if i describe this next guest as sensible james (laughs) (laughs) he's a familiar voice to the listeners because he's been here in uh, quite a few of our episodes since maybe two or three seasons back you can see his feet coming down the stairs who is it james Barry! <laughs> Welcome, Barry. Hello, Thank Charles. you for joining us in this special 200th episode. Good to have you with us. I love the uh, the norm welcome. That's very kind. Thank you. Well, of course. Of course you get the norm welcome, Barry. You've uh, you've been on the podcast for a few years now. I say few. More than one. Yeah, more than one. Mm-hmm. Crazy, really. Yeah. Been, uh, been great fun. Thank you. No, not a problem. We were glad to have you aboard. I think it was a fun addition. Yeah. Your first episode with us was season five, episode four, Abnormal Psychology, which aired way back on 8th of April, 2021. That's a long time ago. I think you ordered, um, was it a Chunky Monkey? 
I can't remember. <laughs> Which kicked off my, uh, now I'm not going to say obsession because it was mostly pure chance, but monkeys seem to have followed me around throughout my uh, my podcasting days. It's, it's purely by coincidence, which is the crazy thing, but I think there's probably like a, there's a ratio of at least 20% of episodes with you, Barry. They've got a monkey in it. It's <laughs> some kind of primate. Have you enjoyed the monkey episodes most or what have you enjoyed most in your episodes uh, since then, since you joined <laughs> all that all that time ago, back in April 21? Um, I think what I've enjoyed most is getting into the rhythm of what you two started. Um, the, the first couple of episodes I did was, I think, with the two of you uh, on there as well. And it was actually much more difficult than I thought it was to interact and get involved and feel confident about being part of it. It took me a couple of episodes to get used to the idea that I was talking on it because I'd been listening to you for since the start, really. You were my dog-walking companions. And uh, so suddenly being put into that, I thought, oh, I know this. I know how this works. I know the format. Um, but actually, it takes a little while to get into that patter and get used to things. But it's it's such a nice experience to go from listening to what I think is such a wholesome, comforting listening experience to then being part of that was great. I tell you what's funny about that, though, Barry. You, you said it was a wholesome, comforting <laughs> podcast and you, your confidence grew and I think you largely became known as the smuttiest presenter. <laughs> <laughs> Very quickly, yeah. <laughs> it's not monkeys, yes, I- it's pornog- pornography, Barry. <laughs> pornography. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to bring something down, bring it down from the inside, that's what I say. <laughs> and so you did, but, you know, it's New Year's Eve now. And, you know, we're celebrating all the way we can. And who knows what will happen with Barry? You know, it's a, he's a devil, that one. Well, <laughs> you've, you've yet to be taken off the air. So uh, my job continues. <laughs> that sounded like a threat. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of that, Barry, what, what do you hope that the, the next sort of few years of this podcast bring? We've got three more seasons to go. And I think there's a, there's a lot to come. But what are you hoping for? Oh, well... I guess because some of these later episodes, the, the ones we're moving into now, were the ones that I would have been watching when I was a kid. So I'm hoping for a bit of um, nostalgia to creep in because the, I've seen probably most of the Cheers episodes in my lifetime, but those earliest ones, I think they will kick a few memories uh, from me from uh, watching with my dad when I was really little. Yeah, and on the podcast we've talked about how I think – among all of us, you had the best knowledge or exposure to Cheers prior to this podcast starting. So with that in mind, how did you, yeah, what was your thoughts when you first, when John and I first told you, perhaps in a slightly inebriated way, that we were going to do a Cheers podcast? We, we media producers by trade and amongst us all, we, we're always thinking of what's the next little project we can do. So when you announced it, I thought, ah, here we go. Little little fad, it'll never last. And I've been absolutely amazed. Um, not only that it's still going, but that there's been so much effort, there's been so much marketing postings that you've kept up that format and it works so well. I've just been thoroughly impressed. I think it's great. But I did think it was a flash in the pan when <laughs> it started. 
Um, and that's only because I I come up with, you know, 10, and I'll put good in inverted commas here, uh, ideas a day that never amount to anything. And to to watch you see it through and produce such a uh, a wonderful podcast is incredible. Well, thank you for well, that, Barry. We're really honoured to have you on this journey with us. It's been a great year and a bit with you on board. I think it's probably longer. Yeah, almost two years. It's 20 months, roughly. Oh, time, yeah. time flies when you're having fun watching Cheers and drinking the <laughs> beer. Sorry, we're, we're celebrating the sort of the new year ringing in. What would you be drinking on uh, New Year's and how will you be celebrating? No, that's a good question. Well, I've got my um, extended family over this year and my brother loves pub and a beer. Um, so it'll have to be something with him. I was trying to think of something monkey themed, but I think I'm going to, that's my New Year's resolution. I'm going to leave the monkeys behind me. <laughs> Um, so I will just share a, a an IPA with my brother because that's uh, one of his favourites. Wholesome. Well, thank you for joining us, Barry. We hope you enjoy your celebrations and we look forward to more episodes in the new year. Thank you, gents. Been a pleasure. Look forward to more. I mean, it's nice talking to Barry because obviously he's been a, a long-time fan of the show and supporter of the show and he's he was listening since those early days. But I think what's really nice about this episode is really taking that chance to look back at our 200th episode, James, and think of the sort of achievements that we've made, but also the community around Cheers. We've met a lot of nice people. Yeah, we have. I mean, let's hear what they've got to say. His award-winning partnership with David Isaacs has appeared on screen for more than 40 years. You've seen his work on many hit shows, and if you're a baseball fan, particularly of the LA Dodgers, you'll recognize his voice. He's the man behind the exceptional podcast, Hollywood and Levine. It's, of course, Ken Levine. How are you doing, Ken? Good. Thanks for having me. So when did you first hear about Cheers as a project? And uh, how early on in sort of the show were you brought into the writing side of it? And how did you get involved, really? Well, to go back, my partner David and I had worked in 1977, I believe, on the Tony Randall show on ABC, which was done by MTM. And we met Jimmy Burroughs. Uh, Jimmy directed a number of our episodes. So we had a relationship with Jimmy. We had never met the Charles brothers, but um, it's now the early part of 1982, like the spring of 1982. And David and I had a development deal at Lorimar to create pilots. And I get a call one afternoon from Jimmy saying that he and the Charles brothers have a show called Cheers that they have a 13-episode commitment to start that fall on NBC. Would David and I be interested in uh, producing it with them? And my first thought was, well, we're doing our own pilots. What do we need to do someone else's show for? But I said to Jimmy, sure, okay, send us over the, the script. And this was a first draft. It was a a rather early draft because Sam was still a football player, former football player for the Patriots back in that draft. But both David and I read it and we looked at each other and said, this is great. We'd be nuts not to want to get involved with this. So we said, "Okay." And um, so we were there for the pilot but not officially on staff. But after the pilot, we then made a deal like in May and, uh, and joined the show as producers. And the first year, the writing staff 
was me and David and Glenn and Les Charles. That was it. We had a couple of consultants who would come in one night a week in Jerry Belson and David Lloyd. But other than that, uh, the Charles brothers wrote a bunch of episodes. We wrote five episodes. And we also got some outside help from some terrific writers who uh, the Charles brothers had worked with on Taxi and during their MTM days. So we had Earl Pomerantz do a few drafts and Sam Simon and Ken Esten and David Lloyd. So we had a, a pretty good batch of scripts going in. And as the season progressed and we were looking for some new writers, we picked up Heidi Perlman along the way and also David Angel. And eventually both of them joined the writing staff later. But that first year, it was just the four of us. Some of the episodes that came out that were really sort of stand out. I would say there was quite a bit of experimenting going on in the beginning. And if you watch like the first half a dozen episodes, you'll see where there'll be a Sam and Diane episode. And there's one episode where uh, a number of quirky outside characters came into the bar and we had four or five stories going. And we thought, well, maybe the format should be kind of like Barney Miller, where they really depended upon outside colorful characters. One thing we did that first season that they never did again was we never left that bar. Mm -hmm. We never went out anywhere. And the opening episode of season two, they go to Diane's apartment. And from then on, the show would from time to time leave the bar. But in season one, we never left that one set. And it's always better to be able to see a scene than just have the character come in and go, boy, I had the craziest thing happen to me. So I think that's one of the reasons why they finally decided to expand. And even then, we would go away from the bar maybe once an episode. There were a lot of episodes where we didn't leave the bar. So we we're playing around with how much we can use some of the supporting characters and give them strong episodes. We also were playing with the relationships within the bar, an episode that David and I wrote called Truths or Consequences, where uh, Carla and Diane sit down and try to resolve their issues. So really early on, we were just kind of trying things to see what worked. And certainly the thing that emerged stronger than anything else was the Sam and Diane relationship. And the decision was made fairly early on to always keep that alive, even if that wasn't the focus of the episode that week. Even if we're going to do a one-page run, just keep that alive, keep reminding the audience of that relationship. But uh, I think Cheers was really the first show that had, uh, for a sitcom at least, uh, a series arc. Because back then, networks primarily wanted every episode to be standalones so they could mix and match and shuffle the air dates and move something up that they liked and move something back that they didn't. But in the case of Cheers, there was a, a certain 
serialistic style to it. You know, I'm told that uh, we were the first sitcom that actually had a, a series arc. Now they all do it. Now it happens all the time. You know, and it's not like we set out to do something groundbreaking. It was just how we felt we could best tell a story. Uh, I suppose something um, that was really useful with these characters well was addressing sort of big um, social topics and, and, and things at the time. And one of the episodes which really stood out within season one was your Emmy-nominated episode, The Boys at the Bar. And to tackle something that I believe was so sort of maybe contentious at the time, how did that come about in the writer's room and the writing process of it? How many sort of revisions were there between the first draft and what ended up on screen? Well, again, we were still experimenting in that first year. And this came about through a a story that I had read about a former Los Angeles Dodger baseball player named Glenn Burke, who eventually came out and was the first openly gay major league baseball player. Actually, I think he came out after his playing days were through, but still. And I thought, well, that would be kind of interesting to do a show where a character like that was Sam's roommate and wrote a book in which he comes out. And the question is, will Sam support him and um, and to make it relevant to the bar? And again, this was 1982. The characters who were still not as beloved and were still homophobic uh, were afraid that Cheers, as a result of Sam's support of his former roommate, that the bar would go gay that they would lose this sports bar to a gay bar. And so we worked out a story and we wrote the first draft. And I don't think, honestly, that there were a lot of changes. There were line changes here and there, but I don't think the story really changed. Interestingly, we had the table reading of it before every show goes into production, the cast sat around a big conference table and read the script out loud, and we got a chance to hear it. And sometimes those things are great, and everyone's laughing, and you figure you got an easy week. And other times, it's just death, and you go back to the office, and you go, all right, we got to rewrite the crap out of this. But this one played okay. Got some laughs, played okay. So I'm walking out of the conference room with Ted. And he says to me, don't change a word. And I thought he was being sarcastic. So I turned to him and I said, hey, fuck you, man. You know, we're trying something here. OK, we're trying something. And he goes, wait, no, no, no. I, I meant it. Don't change a word. It's just, it's just fine. So I really know how to take a compliment. But then again, the, the week of production was pretty smooth and it came off pretty well at the time. We didn't know it was you know, going to be groundbreaking. Uh, we won the Writers Guild Award for that episode. We were nominated for an Emmy for that episode. And we won the GLAAD Award from the LGBT community. And, um, you know, now there are people saying, well, they should pull that episode because it's really insensitive. And, you know, and, and I'm saying, look, the gay community 
gave us an award, said it was the best script of the year. How insensitive could we be? And it was the first season. I don't think we would have gone anywhere near that in later years, simply because you'd go, you don't want Norm and Cliff and everyone to be homophobic in the bar, (laughs) you know? But at the time, again, first season, and we were just experimenting with things. Throughout your career, in many shows you've written for, you've often balanced the addressing of heavy social themes with plenty of hilarity. A key example is The Boys in the Bar and most obviously in MASH. How did you and David go about achieving this balance? Well, I think MASH really helped a lot. And one thing that we were always taught early on, because the shows that we responded to when we were starting out were the MTM shows and MASH. And those shows always celebrated humanity. And they could be very funny, but they always had to be grounded. And so when we got involved with MASH, we were already on board in that regard. You know, we we were already thinking along those lines. So to me, the chance to be able to tackle issues of, you know, importance or relevance or just something emotional that people can relate to was primary in our thinking. And then finding a way of doing that respectfully in a humorous way was secondary. So that has always been part of our writing. And all the shows that we've written, we try to achieve that. And I've been writing plays and That's really what I'm working on as well, because my feeling is I don't just want the audience to laugh. I want the audience to care. And if they can care and they also laugh, great. But if I had to choose only one of the two, I want the audience to care. We had missed year four when we went off and did our own show for Mary Tyler Moore. And the year that we came back, was the year that Rebecca joined the bar after Diane had departed. So the show really took a turn that year. And we were there from the beginning of of that turn. When Rebecca first joined the series and she was really kind of a martinet, it was kind of hard to find what to do with her. And eventually, when we hit upon the fact that she's very funny when she's a mess, then the character suddenly became very funny and uh, and we enjoyed writing her. Also, we were, quote, creative consultants on the show, meaning we worked there one day a week. So we were involved with all of the scripts. We were involved in coming up with all of the stories and rewriting all of the scripts, being down on the stage. Um, So we weren't really freelance writers per se. So we knew exactly what the game plan was and we would come up with stories or everyone would just come up with different stories and we would end up taking one or two of them and we would work out outlines and we would type up a eight, nine page outline 
and then bring it back and we'd all look at it and make any adjustments. And then David and I would go off and write the draft. Usually like the first year, everyone is still kind of finding their way around. Uh, We sometimes would do a second draft, but most of the time, I would say 36 or 37 of the 40 episodes, we only did one draft. Oh. And then the draft would go to the room and we would all polish it together. But yeah, that was, that was pretty much it. And, and when we got towards the end, those last few years, when the Steinkellners and Fief Sutton were basically the showrunners, we didn't even do the outlines. We would work out kind of a beat sheet with them. And then David and I would go off on our own and really kind of flesh it out. And sometimes we would change things. And so we would run it by Sherry and Bill and say, here's what we want to do instead. And usually they said, okay, go ahead. (laughs) You know, the fact that we knew how to tell these stories, they pretty much left it to us, especially the bar wars story. Those, those stories we constructed completely on our own. And then we went off and, and wrote the draft. How do you feel the attitudes to screenwriting, particularly comedy, have changed since then? Well, I think the comedy today is more mean-spirited than it was back then. I don't think the writers have the same goal to celebrate humanity the way we did back then. A lot of humor comes from characters humiliating themselves in public. A lot of it seems to be mean-spirited, snarky, ironic. It's, you know, just, uh, you know, different generations have their own brand of comedy. And I think that is sort of more in vogue. That's why I'm always very heartened when young people discover Cheers and discover Frasier and like, hey, you know, it's not snarky and it's not meta and it's not pop culture references, that sort of thing. And I think it's probably why those shows have endured, um, because the stories are universal. The issues that the characters dealt with back then are the same issues that characters that age today are dealing with. I think I think that idea of being timeless really does stand out with Cheers. And I suppose if you have any tips for people out there who are looking to write, but they don't just want to write cynically, do you have any tips for people who want to form writing partnerships as well and any advice on how to write in a partnership with someone? Well, for partnership, I would I would look for somebody who you trust whose comic sensibility you admire and have faith in. Because to me, one of the real values of being in a partnership is that you're not working in a vacuum. Comedy is so subjective and it helps to have somebody else to run it by who you trust. So if you pitch a joke, if I pitch a joke to David and David goes, we can do better, then I'll take his word for it. and try to come up with something else. I also think partners need to have the same work habits 
You know, if one partner is somebody who likes to get in the office and work from nine to five, and the other partner is a guy who likes to wait to the last minute or likes to write in the middle of the night in coffee shops, you are not going to be very compatible. So I think that is kind of important. And the other thing, too, is you're going to argue over things. It's just inevitable. But you can't make the arguments personal. And David and I, on any number of occasions, will be arguing cat and mouse over something. And then we look at the watch and it's 12 o'clock and we go, okay, let's go to lunch. And we go to lunch and we talk baseball. So you can't make it personal. We've always maintained that when one of us writes a joke or pitches a joke and the other goes, nah, I don't know. And you go, no, no, I think this really works. And you explain why. And the other partner says, no, I still don't get it. Instead of arguing for 40 minutes and having one partner pissed off, whoever lost the argument, when that happens, David and I just throw out the joke and come up with something else that it will take less time and it will be better emotionally on each of us to just toss it aside, whether it's his joke or my joke, and just come up with something else. And that's what what we've always done. One other thing that we've done, writers write differently, partnerships write differently. We write head to head. We write together in the same room. And usually when we're working on, on a show, we'll dictate the script to a writer's assistant. Other writers don't. They break up scenes. They do different things. But one thing that David and I did early on in our career is one script a year, we would divide up and I would write one act and David would write another act. And then we would put the two acts together and then we would polish it together. And we did that so that we each felt comfortable that we could write on our own. And the reason for that is it meant we were a partnership out of choice, not dependency. So it's not like, yeah, I know I'm late, but I'm the funny one, that kind of thing. Okay. We stayed partners because we both felt that the sum total of our work together was going to be more valuable than each of us going off individually. But that was just a choice that we made. And there were times we'd be working on a show where we would be showrunners and one of us would have to be down on the stage and the other one would sit up in the office and be rewriting the script. So we needed to have that confidence that we could write by ourselves individually. That's brilliant. It sounds like it ties in with how you said all of your scripts. So first draft was normally the draft that went forward. And it sounds like working in that partnership that worked so well, you're able to sort of form really good first drafts through that. And that's, as you said, that both together were more than the sum of your parts, I guess. Yeah. When we would write our process, we would write a draft. And then when it was finished, we would have our writer's assistant make us copies. And each of us would go home. And we would go through it and make notes. And then we would come back together and do this polish. And there were a lot of jokes where you'd go, I think we can do better than this joke. And more often than not, it would be a joke that we had pitched. 
Okay. You know, that I was flagging a joke that I pitched that it got in there that I thought, yeah, uh, let's take a few minutes. Let's see if we can beat this joke. And sometimes we would say, you know, this scene doesn't work or let's move this around. Let's change this. So sometimes we would throw out stuff and really do a second draft ourselves. But most of the time, all of the time, I would say that the script would go through two passes. And for the second pass, something I do to this day, I I think to myself, okay, I want to add five great jokes. Somewhere along the way, I want to add five great jokes. And a lot of times, the jokes that got the biggest laughs from our scripts were the jokes that were written the 11th hour, a half an hour before we turned in the script. She played one of our favorite recurring characters and starred in Cheer's first spin-off, The Tortellis. She's an actor of stage and screen, a New York Times bestseller, the highly influential creator of yoga philosophy, and an instructor to many, including Jennifer Aniston, Kate Beckinsale, and Brooke Shields. Our special guest today is, of course, the delightful Mandy Ingber. How are you, Mandy? I'm very well. So nice to meet you. In the first few years, Cheers wasn't that popular and it grew in popularity. But when I was in New York, I would listen to the Cheers theme song on the radio and I would visualize myself coming back to L.A. and um, playing Carla's daughter. Like that was in my in my fantasy or my visualization um, when I was in New York and and that was in, um, I, I was in New York in 1983. So that's what I like sort of would do during the day. Like if the song came on, I would just do that. And then when I, and then um, in 19, I believe it was 1985. That's when I um, auditioned for, for cheers. And I had forgotten about that actually, that I, that I done that, but this, it was basically the role. I mean, obviously I played Rhea Perlman's like daughter-in-law. So it was uh, like a one-off, but it was basically, I had imagined myself playing that role. That's amazing how the dreams just sort of kept coming true. Could you talk us through the sort of audition process? Was there a casting call? How uh, how did you feel when you saw that role come up to be in Cheers, a show which meant so much for you already? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you know, I was an actress and I was a little, you know, I mean, I had been on Broadway and I was, you know, doing working with, you know, these amazing. So I felt I was pretty confident, you know. Um, so I, I think that it was just like another thing I was auditioning for. Um, but obviously it was, you know, like a very, quality show. The casting director was Randy Stone. I think he only cast the show. Like, I don't know how many seasons he may have only done like one or two seasons of the show um, because Jeffrey Greenberg ended up doing it. But the year that the year that the Annie Tortelli role came up, Randy Stone was, was casting it. And he, he was a fan of mine from, I think it was give me a break or something. He was, he, he was a casting director for that. And he, he was my first, like I did my first callback with him. So he called me in. I was actually a very, I'm kind of organically a shy person, you know, I'm a little reserved. And so he really worked with me on coming out of my shell and, and basically bringing out the, um, you know, like that sort of, you know, that sort of feisty, aggressive energy. He worked with me and he, cause obviously he probably, he 
look, looking at me, he was like, oh, this is the perfect person, you know, visually to do this. He gave me tapes of Rhea Perlman playing Carla, you know, so, so that I could really work on it. And so I wasn't exactly imitating her, but what I was trying to do is pull out from myself that same kind of, you know, energy. And yeah, it, I think all that was really in the dialogue, you know, and just like the playing, you know, but just matching her, matching her. And so that was he was very helpful to me. And then I, I remember going in for the, the Charles brothers and James Burroughs, you know, Charles, Charles Burroughs, Charles, they were also amazing. And I remember going in for the audition and I just, I made a choice where I, I think I was wearing a jacket and I like in the audition, I just like, I just remember like tearing off my jacket and throwing it on the floor to do like an arm wrestling match. And it was just, I just remember that feeling of like ripping off my jacket and getting into the arm wrestling thing. That was just like, I just felt really in it. And, um, they were a great audience, actually the Charles brothers and James Rose, they were a great audience for their own, you know, writing and ideas. They laughed a lot. Um, so that was the, that was the experience, you know? Yeah. Pretty straightforward. And then I, I think I was uh, 17. I think I was 17 when I got that role. And, uh, I remember being very excited. Yeah. When I got it, <laughs> you know, when you're guest starring on shows, I had done a, quite a bit of guest starring roles on other shows. And, um, you know, when you're a guest star, it's kind of like you're, you know, they all know each other. So it's like, you're walking into like a family or like a situation where everybody's already friends. And so you kind of don't know exactly how you're going to fit in. So there definitely is a self-talk when you're going into that situation where you have to remember that, um, you know, like it's nothing personal and just to kind of stay, you know, focused on what you're doing on the task. It just so happens that the first episode, um, my first episode was, a week that they were doing that was the groom war clear assault. And uh, that was, that was, uh, so the episode is, ba- I'm sure all your the people that listen to you know this, but the episode is basically that Carla's son comes and with his, with his girlfriend and they're young, they're underage and they want to get married. And, you know, I, although I was 17, I probably look more like I'm 13 um, because I just looked younger. So it was, so that's the episode that week they happened to be shooting and that was when Shelley Long was still on the show, but Shelley Long was out doing like a movie. Um, so they had to like pre-tape her, her scenes. They, but they were filming two episodes that day or shooting two episodes that week. And um, it was actually Woody Harrelson's first episode. So they were, re- we were table reading two scripts, but that was, so, so I was new, but Woody was also new. So it was like, it was weird. It was like, even though, um, obviously Woody, you know, you know, like, you know, just that's a totally other level of cheers, but, but I didn't feel like I was the only one that was sort of new. Um, I just remember after Woody's table read, you know, he had all his lines memorized and that's kind of unheard of, you know, like in a sitcom, because they, when you, when you're um, doing it, shooting a sitcom, you know, they, there's rewrites every day, basically, but he did, you know, he did his episode. And I remember at the end, I was like, wow, you're really good. You know, it's just like what he just really stood out. It's really fun to play with such talented actors. And also the writing on Cheers was just so good. 
all you really had to do was like deliver the lines, you know, because just the writing was so classic. I kind of thought of Cheers as like for me because of my age, it was almost like my my college or something, you know, like I like I was acting on different shows. And so I, I think of all those different shows that I was acting on because I didn't go to college. I think of that as my sort of my college, you know, my college classes or whatever with Woody. Um, so obviously I met him, you know, like what like his first day of working and he we had a commonality, which was he had just come to LA from doing a play called Biloxi Blues, which was the sequel. It was second show of the Brighton Be- of the uh, Neil Simon trilogy. Brighton Beach, the show that I did, was the first one. And then what he did this was an understudy for the second one. And so he, you know, when we were conversing, it was like, oh, we were in the same family because we both kind of came from that Neil Simon family. And so that was sort of how we kicked off our friendship. And then when I um, came back from uh, when I, when I went to from Cheers to the Tortellis, um, Tortellis and Cheers filmed shot on two sound stages next to each other. So uh, you know, sort of like during lunch or whatever, it's like that's sort of like the that's sort of how that all developed. And you know, Woody was a lot of fun. You know, he's he's a lot of fun, and um, you know, he invited me to play volleyball with his friends, and you know, all just all the stuff. Woody was just having a great time. Woody brought a lot of fun to the Cheers said apparently I, I again I was I, I didn't you know my first episode was I guess season four you guys probably know better than I do but I think it was season four and um that was Woody's first season and and what I heard was that prior to Woody coming it was like a little different of a feeling on the set but then all this you know then it was just like a lot of a lot of fun things going on you know they were all they all started to play around more I would say I call Woody like my family I knew Woody before he was vegan. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't vegan and I was. I love the idea that while filming Cheers and the Tortellis on the same lot during lunch breaks, you would just go, uh, should we just go to the bar there? Yeah, right. Well, my drink of choice would probably be a pina colada, but I, I can't drink too many of them because I'll get fat. But like when I go to Hawaii, I always savor having one pina colada. Well, you know, I'm a very codependent drinker in that um, I, I, I tend to, uh, I've tended to follow others, but the truth is what I've landed on that I really like is um, I like a dirty martini, very cold and not too dirty. <laughs> well, you won't be alone because we'll order three of them and we'll have one each. So. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> it's been a joy having you on this episode, Mandy. A privilege talking to you. Great. Well, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Thank you guys for uh, keeping the flame alive and for your interest in Cheers. It's really heartening to know that stuff I did is still being seen and enjoyed and appreciated by people today. That's a, that's a great reward. It's that thing where it's such a universal show that everyone has their take on it. And I guess we're going to, this is definitely a toast to those guys on their new years. We wish them all the best for the, the year ahead. But James, the year ahead has got some other surprises installed for us because you've got a little, a little project in the works. Is that some art supplies I see there? On the way down the stairs? It's a, a new collaboration that you've got in the works. Hello! Hello! That's James and John! Thanks for joining us on this New Year's Eve. How's it been going? Hi! Yeah, it's been really good. Had a, had a wonderful jingly Christmas and, and ready to bring in the new year, 2023. Let's go. Such enthusiasm. <laughs> 
she, that not she, 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 she's been on the gin. I know you're a new voice to the podcast, but you're not really a stranger to fans of the show because I recognize your artwork from our uh, banner on Facebook. And you do quite a bit of artwork, so I guess we can kick off by just talking about that. How's your year been in your art career? It's been, yeah, it's been really good. I've had lots of kind of commissions happening here, there and everywhere. I did my first kind of commercial commission with a business and designed their kind of front logo for their front of their store and uh, their logo for their swing tags on their clothes. And it's just like a little fashion store in London. So that's awesome. And yeah. Otherwise, just doing commissions for friends and family. I've recently been asked to do a commission of a colleague of mine who has cat who sadly recently just passed away and they want to do me to do a commission of him and his cat eating sushi. So that's fun. Um, yeah. Very niche commissions. That's a good sort of area to get into. I know. I'm like, yeah, let's just do it. Why not? <laughs> I tell you what, Lou, as part of the, the commission you did for us, you had to draw every Cheers character in detail. So uh, who would you say is your favourite Cheers character and uh, why did you enjoy drawing them? Hmm, that is a very good question. I <laughs> I would say probably Norm, just because like he's the most lovable uh, character. He's very just endearingly sweet and I never know what he's going to come out with next. Um, and I really like drawing his curly hair. <laughs> he is the king of one-liners and our norm in, in this bar is of course james who's been in all 200 episodes yeah. and uh you and james have an exciting project coming up which is your own podcast so i guess i'm going to pivot the the interviewer table at yourself and james for this one and just say tell us about that project do you want to go first james well we all love tv don't we uh, not Indeed. just us three everyone <laughs> Everyone. I don't think uh, you can we, say everyone, James. God, you can't speak for well, everyone. Everyone on the who's planet. listening to this loves TV. Yeah, true. <laughs> You'd hope. So we decided to broaden uh, the podcast scope by doing a podcast on TV in general mm-hmm. called "Where the Sun Always Shines," and we've got a few episodes in the pipeline already. Indeed, uh, they are within are the those, pipeline. Lou? Um, (laughs) contained within the Pope. (laughs) So we've currently recorded our first episode, um, which uh, in kind of good TV fashion is all about pilots, Um, pilot TV episodes, not uh, airplane pilots, although, you know, that could be a niche one later down the road. Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to that Venn diagram, pilots, (laughs) (laughs) airplane pilots, and that one sitcom that you can do the both of. Oh Wings. yeah. Mm. Wings. There we go. <laughs> I'll leave James to that. Um, but yeah, so our first few episodes is us discussing our favorite pilots, uh, ever in the world, what we like in a TV pilot. Um, yeah, what we look for and why we like these ones so much. So I won't give any much away. I speak about pushing daisies because it's the best show in the world, in my opinion. And, uh, James speaks about the classic black books and we'll be discussing the breaking bad pilot soon but yeah there's lots to be seen here um and if anyone wants to suggest any themes for us please let us know it's quite a a cracker barrel of whimsy and tangents and (laughs) wonderfulness it's it's quite a ride I was going to say, a show like Pushing Daisies, it's going to be whimsical from the off bat, I guess. From the off bat, is that a saying? I don't... From, is it? It's from the off or from the bat, you you somehow merged them. From the off bat. 
<laughs> Me and James always try to get a sports analogy in, uh, in an episode. In every episode, we always yeah. Fail. I guess, are there any running trends in your uh, initial episodes of uh, themes that you try and get in there? Not yet. But unlike this Cheers one where nobody knows your name, we're doing, you know, a smorgasbord of televisual treats. So, you know, mm. it needn't be a pilot specifically. Mm. You know, as Lou said, we're looking for themes to do specific, you know, uh, flavors of mm. which to make the, the podcast, mm. um, food analogies. Oh, yeah. It will go in cycles in mm. that we maybe talk about pilots sometimes, maybe talk about you know, other aspects or specific elements or episodes of TV. Mm. The world is our proverbial oyster. Well, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to that smorgasbord of, uh, smorgasbord. of TV. But the, the title where the sun always shines. Can you tell me a little bit behind the backstory of that title and how you got it? So, um, I... <laughs> so essentially what was happening when we were deciding the title is uh in WhatsApp James was just sending me like I think he sent me like maybe like 52 uh, <laughs> options he was like this one this one this one this one and I just I went I pointed to my screen even though James wasn't there and I was like that one's good um <laughs> but <laughs> I think James uh can come in here with a bit of the law behind it it's not law <laughs> Law, uh, but either law is in the legal sense or law is in story, both, um, <laughs> which is true in that we were trying to come up with a podcast title name, which was related to TV, but also had a sort of warmth and familiarity because, you know, over the last 70 years or so, right, TVs have grown to this this home comfort, which people like and people have in their homes and often people come back after work and you know sit down and watch tv and and, you know it's a it is a relaxing comfort so we wanted to have something which conveyed that sensibility we came up with where the sun always shines which was more abstract but long story short i was listening to aha and their song the sun always shines on tv and i went ah yes it does Uh (laughs) aha Uh-huh. <laughs> I had Full an epiphany. <laughs> yeah. What an amazing, nice to have a, a title with a bit of a backstory in there as well. I suppose something we, that drawn us to Cheers is sort of the long-lasting legacy that it's had. And you've mentioned niche programs like Pushing Daisies, but then also like sort of ones that are fairly new and got a legacy like Breaking Bad. But are there any shows that you're looking forward to talking about? I know you're both big fans of sort of Twin Peaks and James always mentions only fours and horses when he gets a chance on this podcast every time (laughs) every time i'm twin peaks is a um i cannot explain how excited i am to dissect that with you james because i think we will kind of go to an alternate plane when we talk about that because it'll just be an hour of ethereal washing (laughs) james is gonna do the whole thing backwards (laughs) Welcome to when the sun always shines. She's my cousin. See, see? that was impeccable. Um, So I'm. You'll just be sat there, and James will start playing some jazz, (laughs) and I'll be like, and then, yeah, I'll just. God, it's gonna be it's gonna be something. My hair is gonna go spontaneously white, and I'm gonna call myself Luland. 
<laughs> she can do an impeccable impression of Lucy, the the police. That's oh God! Police department receptionist. I haven't done an impression of her in ages. What's her like main phrase? Sheriff Truman. I can't do it, but that was. <laughs> I, need, I need to like uh like sh- <laughs> <laughs> sheriff. No, <laughs> no. <laughs> I need to have a look and actually listen to her. Um, I feel like that's a segment for your episodes now. We, we Lose just, impression of yeah, the week. Yes. But I, we just do impressions of random characters. <laughs> so I'm going, she's dead, wrapped in plastic. plastic. <laughs> There's a fish in the percolator. Don't drink that coffee, fellas. There's a fish in the percolator. <laughs> um, so aside from Twin Peaks, um, <laughs> I love uh, all things kind of horror. And uh, in kind of any way. And I really love Hannibal, the TV show. Mm. Um, And it's a good way to compare because it's directed by the same person as who directed Pushing Daisy. So it's just like the opposite end of the spectrum, but it's like so similar. And I I just think it's one of the most artistic shows I've ever seen. Um, But anything horror, yeah, I'm I'm excited. What are you excited Mm -hmm. about, James? Uh, Hannibal is one on our list, which we're discussing the pilot of. I've been going through rewatching and just messaging Lou updates, uh, <laughs> some of which more appropriate than others. What was it you said the other day, James? Uh, it was it was basically everyone in the show can get it. <laughs> that type of. And because Hannibal always serves these like really elaborate like uh, meals and dinner parties he hosts them and like james was essentially just getting flustered at like how good he is at like hosting and cooking and i was like i'm not surprised he is your type (laughs) yeah it was a wild ride (laughs) yeah i think that's a new venn diagram as well then (laughs) hannibal and something else but i suppose it sounds like it's going to be an amazing show i'm looking forward to when it comes out i'm going to be listening for one i'm sure our listeners will be excited to hear it too uh what what kind of socials will you have set up and i'm sure we'll have stuff on our facebook to promote as well (laughs) um so by the time this comes out we'll have all of our socials set up i'm sure we'll have facebook and instagram um twitter to be honest can uh get in the bin um, I, I, Pretty can do one. Yeah, like I can just put it in the bin and put it in the sea. Sorry. Um, <laughs> you can buy yeah. a tick. You could buy a tick or a verified mm. account. Mm. I'm all good. I'm all good. <laughs> yeah. So watch out for us on Facebook and on Spotify, obviously, and uh, on Instagram. We'll be uh, on those platforms for everyone mm. to see. Obviously, Lou, you've got your art commissions as well. Where can people find them if they're looking to get a, a pet and a sushi together? <laughs> so you can find me on Instagram. Um, so it's my at is uh, illustrations. So it's I-L-L-E-U-S-T-R-A-T-I-O-N-S. <laughs> illustrations, but with an E-U, essentially. I need to change my name. <laughs> um, that, that felt like a sort of, you know, in the IT crowd when they're trying to remember the number. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Don't change the name, just get a jingle to it, Lou, and I think you'll be fine. Okay. I L L E U S T R A T I O N S 
As it's uh, New Year's, Lou, we always ask everyone who joins us on the show what they'll be drinking. And I suppose tonight's a special occasion. It's the turning of the year, as James once said. So what are you be drinking? <laughs> Turn of the year. Oh, that is an excellent question. Um, you know what? I fucking love Baileys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do they think of next? <laughs> Mint Baileys? Um... <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I will be drinking Baileys, uh, possibly with a couple of ice cubes, depending on how decadent I'm feeling. Um, but always throughout the festive uh, season, I will, yeah, have a, a huge bottle of Baileys for myself over the month. Don't worry. Don't need to. <laughs> uh, and, and, then I, and then I open my presents. <laughs> Um, so I will be uh, having that sweet, sweet, creamy elixir, elixir, <laughs> uh, whilst seeing in the new year, uh, <laughs> just like old Greg. Yeah. Oh, great! You ever drank Bailey's from a shoe? <laughs> Indeed, that's what I'll be doing on New Year's Eve. <laughs> a lot um, of Lua, a lot of where the sun always shines will just be random quotes from any tv show and then it's up to the audience to figure it out i was gonna say i think i've lost count throughout this like 15 minute chat i'm looking forward to it guys best of luck for the new year with your podcast thank you so much for joining us lou and thank you for all the art you've done for the show so far as well no worries at all thank you both for having me um i love your podcast and yeah you guys the best um all the best for any future episodes wait i'm gonna I'm going to re-say that because any future episode sounds... Implies that we're done. This is the end, James. Uh, I'm going to announce at the end of the 200th. (laughs) Sorry, the the Um, road stops here. We got got to season eight. Got halfway through season eight and went, that'll do. That'll do, donkey. Um, Okay. (laughs) Yeah, of course, all the best for the new year and the inevitable new episodes and new seasons that will be coming out to please our ear holes. (laughs) see you later (laughs) I tell you what James I'm excited for your uh, 2023 because it sounds like you're going to have you're a busy man James I'll tell you that I'm I'm a busy man yeah sleep is um, sleep has become a a chip in the night to me at this point (laughs) where the sun always shines certainly sounds it sounds like a tongue twister to me James my my subtle lisp where the sun always shines sounds like an exciting thing so I'm looking forward to listening but uh talking of projects outside of this pod don't say pod enough on this podcast yeah that's right he's got his very own welcome music he's a a familiar voice to the show because like Barry he's been with us for a few seasons now Troy. Troy. All right, Troy. What's crackalacking? <laughs> Get this man a party hat and a whiskey. Oh, mate. <laughs> How are we, gentlemen? It's good. It's New Year's Eve, 200 episodes. We're celebrating. Yes, boy. It's a celebration. <laughs> celebration. <laughs> 200 episodes. Do you know what? It's not late enough and I'm not drunk enough to start singing yet. Oh, yeah. I've always got time for that. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for joining us, Troy. How's, how's your holidays been going? You having a good New Year's Eve? Good, mate. It's been it's been a fantastic festive break. Spending time with, with loved ones and, and people I've not seen for a while and, and just, yeah, a change of scenery and... I love I love Christmas. I love the festive period. I love that kind of like getting around all the different family members, all that cooking. Like we 
got a new kitchen like last year and so this is the first christmas we've been able to really properly you know kind of cook in there and, and, and oh. have people around and host so yeah it's been awesome really really nice man christening the oven with a turkey that's right that's right and you like to condense christmas in and all the festivities into one month only you're someone whose tree doesn't come up until december first of <laughs> december no <Yeah>. earlier <laughs> Exactly. Anyone put in their tree before then, you just have a word of yourself because wait until at least Thanksgiving's out the way. Yeah. My tree doesn't go up until December the first at the earliest. Sometimes I might do it on the third or fourth, depending on how lazy I'm feeling. But yeah, it looks good now. Obviously all the presents are, are gone from it, but the tree's still up. There's plenty of good decorations. I seem to add more and more random naff. I've seen you put some like Danny Trejo inspired trinkets on that bad boy. Yeah, <laughs> man. There's there's all sorts of nonsense on that thing. There's like Funko Pop. There's a SpongeBob one with the Christmas hat on. There's like a, a Bratz doll that looks like it's just been mauled by a dog. That's up there. That, that looks cool. I've got like some wrestling themed baubles on there. Like just, yeah, anything. It looks like a jumble sale. But, <laughs> and what's your tipple of choice on this New Year's Eve, Troy? Oh, uh, do you know, like New Year's, I always have like, I'll have a cheese board. And if I'm going to have cheese, I'll have cheese and pork. Yes. Nice. Cheese and crackers with, with some pork. And then not too many though, because, you know, it's it's potent stuff. So I then might move on to a few beers to kind of see me into to midnight. And uh, depending on if I'm out or if I'm in, like that all depends. Obviously, if I'm going out, I'll, I'll just drink beer steadily. If I'm staying in, and you know, some port, some cheese, some crackers. Yeah, I've, I think we've all definitely got to that age where going out on New Year's Eve <laughs> is not as appealing as it used to be. I'm like, but I can fair, drink. Yeah. I could drink at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the thing is, like. Yeah, I can't remember what age I hit. Like, it it wasn't that long ago, but it's like, I don't want to be going out to... Right, okay, the thing that annoys me about New Year's is... <laughs> most play, Here we go. All right, strap in. Um, no, nah, it's it's one of those things where you'll go to a pub or a bar and they'll charge you a tenner to get in, and yet 364 days of the year, it's free. They yep. want to charge you for that one night. Like, but it's the same pub. You're yep. not doing anything different. The music's still just as bad. The beer's still just as bad and expensive. Like, why am I being charged more now just because it's this day of the year? That annoys me for a start. Also, New New Year's seems to be a license for places to people to play music four times as loud as they usually do. So you can't even have a conversation. Stay at home. Just stay at home. Put put Hoot and Annie on. Because that's that's a staple of New Year's now, isn't it? I always look forward to Jules Hamilton. I, I don't know how long he's been doing Hootenanny for. Easily 30 years. Yeah. Easily. Easy. easy. <laughs> uh, Hootenanny started in uh, 1993. Oh, so, tr- yeah. Uh, Near enough. 29 years, yeah. Yeah. Lovely yeah, stuff. Yeah. But yeah, big fan of that. Big fan of that. Well, I tell you what, Troy, you've got, <laughs> you've got your port and cheese. Nice. And you, you've got cause to celebrate because... I'd say you're probably our most prolific podcaster out of the, the crew at When Nobody Knows Your Name. You've also got your Untitled Wrestling podcast. So I've got a lot of cause to celebrate for the year, I reckon. Yeah, man. It's, it's been a big year, like, trying to juggle, like, podcasts. I, I feel like I've got into a good routine with it now. And it's all, it, like it's always nice to, to do When Nobody Knows Your Name because it's a real change of pace from from literally the weekly almost daily wrestling podcast stuff but yeah the the untitled wrestling podcast i feel has gone from strength to strength certainly this year like we've had uh, a lot more kind of outreach and, and recognition partnerships collaborations interviews with kind of like some some big known wrestlers around the world 
Nick Aldis, for example, we interviewed uh, a couple of months ago, um, who used to be, he was on the reboot of Gladiators. For those who remember Gladiators, he was on that. And then he went on to become uh, a professional wrestler. So we've interviewed some amazing people. We've got some sponsorship endorsements. We've got a collaboration with one of the UK's biggest well-known wrestling promotions, TNT, who are based up in Liverpool. And we've got live Q&As that we do with kind of various talent that they have on there. Um, but it's just it's just nice to be able to keep that going. It was something that we started up as just a, a thing out of boredom during lockdown a couple of years ago. Um, and we never kind of set out to, to have it at anywhere near the point that it is now. Um, but we've been very grateful that we've got in touch with some good people. We've been fortunate to, to meet some really good people in the industry and it's led to some doors opening that we didn't even think possible right at the beginning. Um, so yeah, it's been really, really fun. It's been quite a year. Is that what you enjoy most about being gone, uh, both podcasts, the the opportunities it presents or is it more just the mindless chit chat we have <laughs> a little from column a a little from column b um yeah like just, you know, general mindless chit chat is always fun but yeah it's just it's it's a chance for for people to to, to come together and, and chat about something they have a passion for or they enjoy or a common interest and it's like it's not the sort of conversation well i guess you do you have that conversation down at a pub or a bar or, or whatever but you know, to kind of form it in certainly with with you know where nobody knows your name, and also wrestling, where it's it's a discussion based on a particular episode and not a kind of a broad overall conversation. To really kind of hone in on some specifics of things and and dissect those a little bit is really really fun. But also, yeah, the mindless chit chat is a big bonus. <laughs> yeah, we we, we built two hundred episodes of mindless chit chat. <laughs> You're doing it's, all right so far. I mean, people seem to people seem to like it. <laughs> I think it's that thing of it, like Troy said, it's a, a passion, you know. Yeah. Once you find that sort of niche passion, it goes strength on strength, and you build audience. And it sounds like you have an amazing experience last year, Troy, on the uh, mm. wrestling podcast. And wish you the best of luck moving into 2023. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Yeah, it's uh, exciting times ahead um, with that. And obviously, when nobody knows your name as well, it's it's always fun to to come on and be part of it. And yeah, looking forward to the year ahead or years ahead even. <laughs> yeah. You've, uh, since the beginning, really, you've been a key part of promotion and, and marketing for us, mostly just through, through, you know, mass inviting, which is which is how you do. What was your first reaction when hearing about this podcast? Because Barry didn't hold back and he said it would fail. So, <laughs> thanks, Barry. Wow. <laughs> um, I don't know. I think probably the same kind of outlook that I had on like the wrestling podcast that I do. It was just, hey, we're a group of mates or a couple of mates. We enjoy this particular show. We enjoy talking about it like this is something cool to, to pass the time. But it's one of those things where it's a real work-life balance, isn't it? And trying to find the time to, to record these things, you know, to make your notes on it, to, to watch them, and not just watch them and, you know, kind of mindlessly in the background, like, you know, really watch it with a purpose. Um, and it's difficult. Like, w- when we started the wrestling podcast, we were like, you know, we, we need to, to watch every single show that every single promotion puts out. And we were recording, like, f- four or five days a week at times. And it just got to a point where it's just like, we really need to kind of refine what we're doing and streamline it because we're not getting paid for this. This isn't a job. This, this is a hobby. This is, you know, a, 
as a passion for what you're watching, but it, ultimately it's still a hobby. You're not getting paid for it. It's not a profession. And so it was one of those things and similar to, to uh, the wrestling, but with, with, with this, where nobody knows your name, I was like, knew of cheers had watched a bit of it when I was younger. Didn't quite realize how many series and episodes there were <laughs> and thought, are you going to be able to sustain that? Like, where are you going to find the time to, to get all of that in? But actually like your, your schedule and how you do stuff is something that I've certainly taken inspiration from when kind of producing the wrestling podcast and trying to streamline stuff a bit more and, and just being a bit more sensible with the the time and the resource that you have. So yeah, I, I certainly didn't think it, it would fail or anything like that. Um, you know, I was intrigued by it and actually it kind of reignited a bit of a passion for me for, Oh, Hey, I, I do remember that program. I never watched it religiously, but this podcast is an opportunity for me to just listen into it. Not necessarily go out my way to watch it, but like a kind of little bite size insight to particular episodes and off the back of that i may think do you know what i'll i'll actually go and give that a watch so that was how i like initially kind of perceived this before i you know was invited into to become a guest on it but like credit to you guys man because I, I i know that it's it can be not a chore because you know if it was a chore you wouldn't do it you enjoy it so but i know it can be a real a real labor at times i guess um getting something like this up off the ground in the first instance and also just sustaining it as well. So like, as I say, hats off to you, like massive credit because it's, it's not an easy task. And for anyone listening that does their own podcast, we'll know that too. Like it's no easy task. So yeah, just, I'm just so impressed. Well, cheers, Troy. It's lovely to have you on board as part of the crew as well. You know, our regular host, always bringing the wrestling perspective. We've seen Hulk Hogan pop up on a TV in one episode. Long <laughs> a bit of wrestling. <laughs> I've got a question for you, Troy. We've Go seen on. a lot of bar fights in there, uh, in Cheers, but say like a sort of Kingsman-esque fight broke out. Everyone's going crazy. Who's, who's your winner? Who do you think is going to come out on top in that situation? What, out of everyone in Cheers or yeah, just yeah. generally? In everyone Cheers, in Cheers. Oh, everyone in, the <laughs> in the whole world. Uh, do you know what? <clears> hmm. <throat> I'm going to say Woody. I reckon Woody would be really smart and calculating. So, like, to, to relate it very specifically to wrestling. <laughs> so you have an event in wrestling called the Royal Rumble. Now, for those that don't know what the Royal Rumble is, it's a 30, there's a men's and a women's. It's a 30-person 30, 30 over-the-top, like, battle royale. So you start with two people in the ring, and every 90 seconds, another person is added to the ring. Every 90 seconds, another person comes in. The only way you can be eliminated is being by thrown over the top rope and both feet hitting the floor. Basically, the last one standing is the winner. You always get someone really sly and really cunning that will come in and they'll fight about for 10, 15 minutes. And they'll get knocked down and they'll just roll into the corner and they'll just lie under the bottom rope. They'll just <laughs> hug the bottom rope while everything's kicking off. And then when the coast looks clear, they get up. And they let everyone else do the dirty work. They get our hands dirty. And that's not to say Woody is a sly heel, but I think he's smart enough to know that that would be the thing to do. Save the energy for the end. So yeah, I'd put my money on Woody in that situation. That's a good answer. I think I'd take that tactic. I'd just hide under the bar for a bit and come out with everyone. So. <laughs> you'd, you'd, be, you'd be under the bar just help pouring yourself another beer. Let me, know, let me know when it's safe to come out. Um, so, yeah, you spoke about the, the importance of, you know, making podcasts on something you're passionate about. And in the wrestling one, that's certainly grown in bounds. Do you have any advice for those wanting to start out their own podcast? Yeah, I'd, I'd say... 
find find a niche. Now there's there's hundreds, thousands of of wrestling podcasts. And it took us a while to kind of really carve out our, our niche and what made us different and set aside. You guys went straight in there because to my knowledge, there's probably one or two other Cheers podcasts in the entire world. So, you know, you went straight in there. You knew exactly what you were doing. So, you know, really like do some research on what it is that you're going to do your podcast on. Don't just, oh, I'm just doing a football podcast. Like, there's loads of those. Oh, I'm just doing a wrestling one. Again, there's loads of those. Like, you know, think think outside the box a little. Think about what's going to make you different and unique. Also, I spoke about it earlier, like time management and work-life balance uh, and making sure that it doesn't start to dominate your your life. And, you know, it's, it's okay for it to be a, a part of your life, like a big part of your life, but until that's a profession is still until you, you get to a job where you can quit your day job and your podcast is your sole income. Don't let that take priority over other stuff because it can impact your social life. It can impact your relationship. It can impact your work. So make sure you really strike that balance. Um, but I think mainly just have a passion for what it is you do have a passion for, that particular subject matter, because that will come through in every episode. That will come through when you're you're talking about something you enjoy. That will come through when you're interviewing someone in the questions that you ask. But never let it get to a point where it becomes a chore. And we always say on on, on the wrestling podcast, like if it gets to a point where this isn't enjoyable, step back, step away. And whether that's permanently or just for a few weeks, I've had to do it. I've done it where. I haven't not enjoyed it. I haven't lost the love for it, but just I don't feel like I'm giving it my all. I don't feel like I'm giving it 100% for various reasons. And if you ever feel like that, don't be afraid to step away from it because if you're getting across your passion to your listeners, your listeners will also understand they need to take a break or this has happened or that's happened. So just be mindful of all of those things. Have a passion for it. Strike a balance and find your niche. And with that in mind, Troy, we will let you get on to Hootenanny and enjoy your new year. Hootenanny! It's a Hootenanny. It's a Hootenanny. It's been great having you join us for this special 200th episode. We couldn't have done it without you. Thank you. Thank great you Great time much. to celebrate the achievement that we've all made. So thank you so much for stopping by, Troy. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm also here. Happy New Year. <laughs> <laughs> have a good one, guys. Cheers and have a great, great 2023. Oh, thanks, Troy. Oh, I'll tell you what, Troy's brought, Troy's brought up his lovely Christmas he had there. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, we've had a variety of alcohols this evening, haven't we? Ooh. It's been a long one, hasn't it? Though? <laughs> we'll be counting down shortly, James, to our New Year's. But I guess as we, as we what's, what's the phrase? As we sing in the New Year? Um, yeah. As we sing in the new year, I guess it's important to take stock and reflect on uh, some good habits to adopt in the new year. And uh, I, I think nearly a year ago to this very day, James, we talked to Mandy about some tips for the new year. So I think it's an important time to reflect. Just have a listen to those again. The challenge is always 
to positive self-talk our way into it. I don't know that there's anybody that doesn't have self-doubt, but I think to really go the opposite direction and to start to encourage ourselves is the way to all things. I'm sure like somebody could have said, you know, oh, you know, you're going to do this podcast, you know, there's always like somebody that's going to like cut it down. So as well not be ourselves, you know, (laughs) and, um, you know, wishing you just all the success and luck for everything that you want to do in your life. Some lovely words for Mandy there. And as is custom here on Where Nobody Knows Your Name, what are we drinking? Oh, we've had a lot to drink, but I, uh, I think there's one, one thing which I think is very appropriate, at least is, at least in my country that we have, uh, at this time as the, as the ball, we waited for the ball to drop and I'm sure, uh, music will play us out. What should we have, John? Do you know what I'm hinting at? I, I'm, I'm lost. Uh, a tradition, a, a martial tradition for the 200th episode. Oh, I'm excited. We're going to, it's not a martial tradition. It's a Scottish tradition. We're going to share a cup of kindness. Yet ah. for the sake of old Lang Syne. There you go. What a lovely way to end this episode, James. I think it's a good sentiment there because I've really enjoyed this 200th because we've got to think about kind of what we've achieved today, you know, 200 episodes and we couldn't have got here without a cup of kindness. All of you listeners there who have joined us on this journey, the people who have supported us either with equipment, moral support, joining us in this journey in terms of Barry and Troy and and also pushing the journey further, you know, it's an exciting year ahead. It is. Yeah. And we'll have plenty more episodes for you throughout 2023, including some of those tasty bonus episodes. So uh, from where nobody knows your name, we hope you've had Merry Christmas, Merry Yuletide, and uh, here's to a happy new year. Oh, 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 oh,